Next on BYUSN, preseason nods and preseason snubs. The all Big 12 teams out from multiple publications. Which Cougar footballers deserve more? And national champion Kenneth Rooks is in studio with national champion and Olympian Ed Eichstone. That's a lot of national champions. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday. June 13th, I am Spencer Linton alongside Cosmo's number one fan, Jerem Jordan. I love Cosmo, man. There is no, um, you know, in our super biased opinion, there is no mascot that rivals Cosmo. Like, obviously the stunts, the athletic ability, the dancing, like he's got it all. Jerem, the body of work, you cannot contest. It is number one yes. in all the land. Um, and that is currently because formerly uh, Cosmo looked pretty weird and frankly scary. <laughs> In the, um, in the it 70s? Was it was National Cougar Day yesterday, so BYU Sports Nation <laughs> tweeted some pictures of Cosmo. There's some weird stuff here, okay? Why is Cosmo in the hospital? I don't okay, know. Okay, the, the one on the lower left. What does that look? Those whiskers were not well-groomed. That is an honor code violation. This is a plea um, to arrive early at events. Yeah, there, there were some other scary ones over the years as well. I, I don't know, like early 90s or something, 80s. There was one that I was like, I wouldn't even show my kids the picture of that Cosmo. Like. What? He's been upgraded significantly. Oh, a massive glow up. Significantly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So congrats to Cosmo, the greatest uh, mascot in the land. Uh, so good. I, Humble I would, beginnings. I would say, yeah, <laughs> yes. Like the pioneers to the Big 12. Uh, yeah. On today's show, preseason accolades. Who's raking them in and who's been undervalued? Uh, Ty Detmer's on the program. Is the Miami win in 1990 the best win in school history? We'll get his biased opinions to well on that. And with the new Indiana Jones movie come out, coming out, we got to talk about uh, his poster back uh, in the yeah. day, which was super cool. Uh, the best win bracket gives us Oklahoma and Texas today. A couple of great wins for BYU. And, yes, we pitted them against each other. Mm -hmm. And let's chat with champs, Kenneth Rooks in the steeplechase, and, of course, Ed Eyestone, who's won national championships, one of which was in Austin himself. Uh, we will chat with those two on the program. That brings us to the time where we rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. What's Trending, presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. Snubs and dubs when it comes to preseason prognostications. Yeah, it's mid-June, and we are roughly 80 days away from the first BYU football game on September 2nd. It is prime time for the likes of Phil Steele and Lindy's Magazine and Athlon Sports to roll out their preseason magazines with all of those honors. Well, BYU is on some lists, and frankly, we love it. Yeah, there's some guys that deserve to be there, but we think there are some other guys that deserve to be there that are not on those lists. Jerem, let's run down who actually made what and then discuss... Okay, who do you like, and where is the biggest snub? So in the Field Steel publication, the first team, Aiden Robbins, makes an appearance. Your guy, Ryan Rico, is a second teamer, according to, these are all Big 12 teams again, according to Field Steel. Third team, Ben Bywater. Fourth team, Isaac Rex, Kingsley, Suamataia, Max Tooley, Eddie Heckard, and Hobbs Nyberg. Stay with me here. Lindy's publication now, first teamer. Kingsley Suamataia. On the second team, Aiden Robbins and Connor Pay. Third team, Tyler Batty, Eddie Heckard, and Ryan Rico. And then finally, Athlon Sports. No first teamers. 
No first-teamers, all Big 12 guys. Second team, Aiden Robbins. Third team, Cody Epps, Kingsley Suomataia. And the fourth team features Connor Pay, Ben Bywater, Tyler Batty, Micah Harper, and Hobbs Nyberg. Okay, with all of that information, Jerem, what do you like and who got the snub? Well, uh, I like the love that Aiden Robbins is getting. Uh, he's first, second, and second in the three, which is pretty notable. I'm assuming there's two running backs on each of those. So basically, he's listed as a top four running back in the Big 12, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Thousand-yard guy at UNLV. Um, that O-line, you know, wasn't like a world beater, yet he still got 1,000 yards, stayed healthy, 6'3", 230. This dude's massive. So... If he can have a big year in the Big 12, I think that means great things for everybody. Obviously, you want a good run game, and if you do, Keaton Slovis uh, opens up the uh, passing game quite a bit there. Kingsley Suomatia getting some love, as he should as well. Um, although, I think he's being undervalued a little bit. Like, if he's getting first round to as high as top 10 pick kind of stuff, should he not be the best or second best left tackle in the Big 12? So, they don't all share that same opinion as some of the mock drafts, obviously. Um, and then Connor Pay getting some love, Tyler Batty getting some love, Eddie Hecker getting a little bit of love. I think Cody Epps is being undervalued a little bit here, too. I okay. think he could have a monster year, um, which is exciting. Isaac Rex is being undervalued as well. He is a really good tight end who is going to be healthy this year, was not healthy last year. And uh, we think Keaton Slovis is going to find the middle of the field better than Jaron Hall did um, last year. And so I think Isaac Rex could be very interesting as perhaps a top three tight end in the Big 12. Is he going to have 12 touchdowns like he did in 2020? No. Mm. But if he can get to that kind of six to eight touchdown range and be a better big uh, red zone target, yeah, he, he could be in the mix too. You know, a fourth team it typically isn't a thing that happens when, you know, it's not going to be officially released as a fourth team in the postseason. Although I did get – uh, an email yesterday from the league saying, hey, if you want to vote on yeah. the Big 12 football team. I was like, yes, I do. I'm in. I'm in. Yes, I do. I would like to dig into that. Uh, who's returning? Who's in the league from uh, the transfer portal and so on? Who's undervalued but perhaps going to have a big year? We'll see. I'm excited to dig into all that. And, uh, you know, we're going to be at uh, Big 12 football media days coming up in July, which will be very exciting. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more on Isaac Rex. He got one fourth team nod, and that comes from Phil Steele. Let's rewind to two years ago when Mel Kuyper is saying that Isaac Rex is the second or third most draftable prospect on BYU's team. Like, that's quite a nod. And he breaks his leg against USC, terrible injury, right? Recovers, probably comes back and plays too soon. 100% he did. He could barely practice last year. He was playing at about 60%. That feels almost high. They had to shoot him if, up to practice. If that, right? Yeah. 60% maybe on his best day. So if Isaac Rex is healthy, and let's say he has two-thirds of the 12 touchdown catches that he had with Zach Wilson in that magical 2020 campaign. Yeah, you're not playing the Sun Belt anymore. Then he's right back on all those NFL draft radars mm -hmm. as a fifth to seventh round pick. Isaac Rex already has an NFL body. We were talking about genetics and how they matter for players, like you have to typically in some fashion win the genetic lottery to be in position to make a run you have to do at the NFL. You have to have or do something incredible. Isaac Rex has the genetic lottery. He has yeah. a great frame. He's 6'6". He's got incredible hands. He was underutilized last year, but again, he was injured. If he's healthy, he's a great blocker. Dennis Pitta says, oh, he's a better blocker than I ever was. Well, everybody's a better blocker than Dennis. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Just saying it's an NFL tight end from BYU saying, like, 
yes, Isaac can block in the NFL. Yeah, totally. He can run in the NFL. He can catch in the NFL. He can do everything that a tight end is going to be asked to do. I think Isaac is wildly undervalued. And it's a product of circumstances. It's the injury factors into that, like, big time. Yeah, and it should. Yeah. Phil Steele still, <laughs> Phil Steele still has Isaac Rex on his radar, but I think, yeah, where is he in Lindy's? Where is he in Athlon? I think that's probably the biggest snub. Secondly, Eddie Heckard. He's an FCS All-American from Weber State. Yesterday, you and I said he might be the best defender overall on BYU's team. I wouldn't put him at that now, but he might be that at the end of the year. We'll see. I, I think that in the end, Ben Bywater will probably be Tyler Batty got more love as the best player on the team defensively. Yeah, well, I should say Tyler Batty got similar love in these preseason projections to Eddie Heckard. Mags love a, a junior senior who's a returning starter who has some numbers. And that's what Tyler Batty has and Ben Bywater. Certainly the challenge will be different yeah. for them. They're going to be facing some better alliance this year than they have. I think Eddie Heckard, at worst, is a second-team All-Big 12 cornerback. Ooh, that'd be good. That'd be really good. Yeah, I, I, would think, love, I think he's great. I would love for him to be honorable mention plus. I think he is yeah. great. Connor Pay, he's kind of all over the map. Doesn't show up anywhere on Phil Steele's four teams. He's a second teamer on Lindy's, and he's a fourth team according to Athlon Sports. This is the highest-graded center, according to Pro Football Focus, <laughs> in his, pass, assi pass, in his pass protection assignments. Yes, specifically. Like, in the entire country. Mm -hmm. Among and centers. Where, where, where is he? Phil Steele, where is Connor Pay? On this list, I, I think he's undervalued. I think Connor is going to be an NFL offensive lineman. You don't care about PFF. That much is clear. <laughs> we yeah. care a lot about PFF. Yeah, because maybe it, that's why we have such an issue with this. I don't Connor's know how to assess linemen. Consideration. I'm not a former lineman. I don't know how to assess them. You just tell me if they're good, PFF. Those are the three. Aiden Robbins, that, all of that has been a surprise to me. Like, I knew Aiden was good. They're saying that he is one of the. Between yeah, yeah. one and four best running backs in the Big 12, depending on which team if and which magazine you're a turning thousand-yard rusher, you get love. Yeah, and I think he deserves it. I, I, I want Aiden to be shifty and quick and able this year. That's, that's my one hope is, K okay, against Mountain West foes, barely played at Louisville against Mountain West foes, did some real nice work last year, which is great. I'm excited about the prospect of Aiden. Certainly going up against Big 12 defenses and, and those physical defensive lines are yeah. going to be new. But BYU's offensive line is pretty good, we think. And so if he's running behind a potential first-round pick in Kingsley Suamatia, that combo could be really nice. And another NFL lineman in Connor Pay? Could be. My opinion, but could I think be. that's going to you be know, the case. Caleb Etienne and Waylon Lapuahu and these guys. Yep, BYU has been uh, really good on the O-line yeah. the last couple of years. I don't know if Connor's going to get drafted, but I think Connor's going to make a roster somewhere. I think he will be in the NFL, at worst a practice squad. So, yeah, I want more love for him. And, yeah, Cody Epps, you brought up him. Um, Cam Meller, I can guarantee you, he'd look at this and be like, Cody Epps is the guy that deserves more love. Only one-third team nod and doesn't show up in two of the publications. Granted, there are a lot of good skill position players in sure. the Big 12 and, like, receivers. Great this, receivers. This is a receivers league. Like, um, I would say it's a, typically been a quarterback league and a receivers league. Um, and an alignment league, frankly. Oklahoma – Last couple of years has been putting out some serious O-linemen in the NFL, man. Our question of the day, which BYU football player deserves the most preseason accolades? We just went through the guys who did get the love and then all of the snubs. It, it should be Kingsley, by the way. Like, if Kingsley is a first-round projection, 
he should be getting the most love. Like, no one is close to Kingsley's talent in terms of draftability. Fourth team from Phil Steele? Close to Kingsley. Fourth team? Yeah. No no Keaton Slovis on any of these, by the way. Maybe he not, is the answer. Not top four in uh, his position in the league by most. Maybe he's by the everybody. answer in the snub. Or maybe he ends up being the answer to the biggest If snub. you told me right now King, uh, Keaton Slovis is the fourth best QB in the Big 12 this year, I'd take that right now. I would take it right now. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to believe that. It could be that. Again, it's a good quarterback league. Sure. Although, walking into the year, there's not like a lot of – there's not a ton of world beaters. Jalen Daniels, Quinn Ewers, and then it's kind of up for grabs Dylan after Gabriel's that. Dylan Gabriel is numbers. Okay. Um, yeah. So, could Keaton be number four? That's, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to think he could do that. Yeah. Plumlee um, is going to be good at UCF or whatever his name is. John Reese. Yeah, John Reese Plumlee. Plumlee. Uh-huh. He, he – He's going to be good. Yeah, baseball guy like Jaron Hall. At the Hutch Bunch on Twitter says, it's Ben Bywater. He deserves the most. He has been a solid leader on defense. He has led the team in tackles the last few years and is always around the ball. He could be, I think, the first player in BYU history to lead the team in tackles all four years. I don't think anyone else has done that. That's quite I'd have to look that up, but I I think that would be quite the accomplishment if he keeps it going. Bobby Daly on Twitter. Cody Epps, looking at what he did last year, in spite of only playing half the season, he has the potential to have a breakout year. Plus, playing in the slot will make him a top target of Keaton Slovis this season. Yeah, played eight of the 13, so not quite half, but I see your point. Um, yeah, Cody, to me, has the most upside. Chase Roberts is interesting here, too. Like, Chase's game against Baylor was incredible. Can he have a couple of those performances? Well, he, too, dealt with some injuries. Him? Probably too soon off the mission, being, like, relied on too heavily. Well, he had a full year where he gray-shirted, so he had time. And he he yeah. dealt with a hamstring, a pretty significant hamstring situation for much of the season. Yeah, he wasn't thrown in the mix, though. He had a full year off the mission then last year. Mm. So. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to join the conversation. Okay, July 1st. I don't know if you heard, BYU's going to the Big 12. Uh... It's a huge deal. Five Eastern time. we got a two-hour show on BYU TV, BYU Radio, the BYU TV app, where we'll talk to all the major players with the Big 12. And uh, Kalani Stocky is going to be in a fun spot. He'll join us from not Provo, but somewhere else pretty significant, which will be cool. Up next, the Heisman Trophy winner, Ty Detmer, is back on the show. Hey! At some point, somebody snubbed him. And you know what? He proved them all wrong. <laughs> He's joining us next on BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Detmer of BYU. What a play by Ty Detmer. Gets right. Goes into the end zone. Touchdown! And you got to give Ty Detmer credit again because he just danced all over the place and couldn't bring it down. Ty Detmer all in for BYU football. Is that the most rushing touchdown highlights of Ty Detmer of all time? Under, like underrated runner at BYU. Right? You had the San Diego State one where he's helicoptering around. Got to respect yeah. his. You got to respect it. You know, his, because he's so underrated good. Underrated runner. Ty so Detmer? so good as a passer. Like no one mentions sneaky that. Sneaky runner. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> we are live at Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Let's bring in the undervalued BYU quarterback runner, Ty Detmer. Now to BYU Sports Station. Ty, were you an underrated runner? <laughs> 
you know, if, if you needed 10, I could get you 10. If you needed 15, I could still get you 10. So, <laughs> <laughs> probably not underrated. <laughs> uh, fun to watch those old highlights and doing work with your legs, no less. Uh, all part of your repertoire, which leads us to our first question. You know, you, you had such an amazing Heisman campaign, and then there was this Indiana Jones poster, Ty, where it was it was the final crusade. We and, got an Indiana Jones uh, movie coming out here. This yes, month. it's go. it's all lining up. So, walk us through <laughs> what you remember about this photo shoot, because there are several BYU fans that still have this poster hanging on their walls across the country. Well, you know, at the time it was kind of like, oh man, this is gonna be not good in the locker room. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, you look back on it, and they were pretty creative with the. It was basically the schedule poster, so it was it had the you know instead of the movie credits or whatever underneath, it had our schedule. So, kind of a fun thing, I think, for the, the sports marketing people. But um, yeah, I got I still get a few uh, jokes when people pull that poster out from time to time. <laughs> okay, we're doing the best win bracket, the best wins in BYU football history. The number one overall seed is Miami, nineteen ninety. Is there any way this doesn't win? The fans are voting. And is it your um, – do you think that's the best win in BYU football history? Well, I think um, because they were number one, it's got to be up there. But, I mean, you look at the Miracle Bowl, you look at uh, BYU beating Michigan in the Holiday Bowl to win the national championship. Um, there's been a ton of great wins over the years. And each era kind of is different, you know, and, and uh, I think there's certain wins that put BYU on the map early on with, with Gifford Nielsen and Mark Wilson and, you know, then Steve and Jim and, and uh, Robbie. And so, um, and it's continued on, you know, there were some great wins over the last couple of years that have uh, kind of solidified that BYU could be a, a power five team, which, um, you know, all those wins are important. So, it's hard to say which one is is the number one. I think for a home game, though, that year for us, that was that was it, and that was probably it for a long time. Um, you know, as far as beating a number one team, but uh, there's been a ton of great wins uh, over the years and and great teams. Its value is not just that you beat number one, it, which by itself that would be enough probably. It's that Miami finished number three and just had the one loss. I mean, they were incredible. And we've given a lot of value over the years to, well, how did that team actually end up being? Because, like, 84 Pitt was a huge win at the time. They were number three. Pitt stunk that year. It wasn't up to BYU how good Pitt was going to be. They just had to win the game. But the fact that Miami finishes number three, what kind of value at the end of the year did you guys attach to that? And do you think the fact that Miami stayed good helped you in the Heisman conversation? Uh, no question on, on that part of it. You know, that, that – um, kind of gave credibility to, you know, the numbers we were putting up because, you know, fortunately we'd played Penn State in the, the Holiday Bowl the year before in 89, and uh, I think I threw for over 500 yards against them. So then to back it up with uh, beating Miami and throwing for 400 yards uh, really gave credibility, and, and I, I truly believe that was, you know, kind of the Heisman moment that year and uh, for our team. And, and so – um, you know, they were, they were a great team. They had, you know, first rounders across the board, uh, lined up. And so, um, for us, I mean, that was, that was the game that year and the one that you couldn't wait for to, to get to, uh, all season long. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely gave credibility and, and showed the type of team we had that year. 
Ty Detmer is with us on BYU Sports Nation. And Ty, managing expectations is always a fickle and tricky conversation and process. In fact, you're the head coach at Queen Creek LALA, and you've been so good the previous years that they bumped you up now to Class 6A. BYU's making their own jump at the divisional level into a Power 5 conference. So it feels like expectations for BYU are relatively low. Uh, we think a lot of people are just kind of hoping to get to a bowl game. How would you navigate that? And in fact, how are you navigating that in your own circumstances, jumping up a classification as a high school head coach? Well, I, I think you like to come in as the underdog. Expectations are low. Um, you know, I, I think uh, you, you kind of relish in that, that uh, people aren't giving you the credit maybe that you deserve or the respect you deserve. Um, you know, now high school football is a little different. We graduated 19 starters. So we're starting <laughs> over again and in a higher class. So uh, it's going to be, you know, a little different for us than it will be for BYU, who's, you know, recruited over the years and, and has a solid roster. So, um, you know, they're uh, they're in a position where I think they can go in and, and people aren't expecting a lot and they can just uh, play ball, and play loose and and uh, get after it. And so uh, I know Kalani will have them ready and, and will use that to their advantage. And so. Um, I think everybody's excited about it, and, and it's a great opportunity to, to prove people wrong. How is BYU football perhaps more ready for this moment, uh, given independence, given the buildup over so long, versus, say, if like in 1991 you had been thrown into the, the Big Eight or whatever, as it would soon become? I think, uh, you know, playing an independent schedule allowed you to play Power 5 teams, you know, more consistently over the years. And so um, back then in the, you know, early 90s, late 80s, you'd play one or two of those types of teams. Uh, in 91, we played three in a row right off the bat. And uh, and so, you know, having the experience that BYU's had and the success over the Pac-12 gives them a lot of confidence uh, going into it. And so... Uh, I think the independent schedule really helped prepare them for this moment. Ty, in your opinion, what would be considered a average year for BYU this year, a good year, and what would be a great year? <laughs> I think an average year would should be probably seven and five. You know, I think the the marks try to get eight wins every year and and uh, go to a bowl game and and uh, you know especially early on here. A great year, obviously, would be, you know, 10 year, ten wins. Um, you know, that's probably asking a lot. Uh, looking at the, the end of the year schedule, hopefully they can keep people healthy and and uh, not have some depth issues. And I, I think they'll grow into it, you know, as, as Utah did in the Pac-12. It didn't happen right away for them, but as they recruited and, and had that uh, Pac-12, you know, banner on the wall and on the jersey, it, it helped them. And now BYU's got that with the Big 12. And, it might take a couple years to get to that 10, 10 win season, but um, you know I think uh, they're in a position to to go in and shock people. Ty, we just said we're keeping expectations low here, so I don't, I don't know what we're doing here. Uh, I'm just kidding. No, but we're doing everybody a favor by saying low stuff. So if they go eight plus, we go, hey, that's a great year, right? Men's hoops. I mean, that would be a great year. It really would, games. because the because. There's a lot of new faces for BYU. It's a new era, Ty. 20 transfers coming in. And then we just don't know what it's going to be like to play 10 Power Fives and then probably another one in a bowl game. That's a challenge BYU's never faced. That was one that you faced in 91 where the beginning of the year, that was brutal. Like at that point, BYU was not ready for sort of 
that sort of beginning of the schedule. But this year, BYU kind of eases into it in a way. How beneficial do you think that'll be to play new FBS team Sam Houston, then Southern Utah, then you go to the SEC in Arkansas and you play nine Big 12 teams in a row? Yeah, we, we would have liked to have had that early on in 91. <laughs> but we were, we were a different team. We graduated a lot of guys that, that year before. And so um, being able to kind of work the kinks out, get um, that unity and the timing of new guys playing together will help. You know, college football is pretty unique. You know, even in high school, you play a scrimmage or two scrimmages and, and you get a chance for preseason games in the NFL. College football is the only one where – you practice against yourself, you show up, and, and you're right into it on day, on week one. And so um, that does take some time. So having a few of those buffer games early always helps um, to, to kind of work out the kinks and figure out who's where and, and the timing of the offense and all those things. So, um, you know, it's great to have that early on, and, and hopefully they, uh, they work it out and they're ready to go by week four. BYU legend and all-time great guy, Ty Detmer is on BYU Sports Nation. As we look at what BYU has done in sending quarterbacks to the NFL in recent years with Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall, and now John Beck believes that Keaton Slovis is an NFL talent and will end up on an NFL roster. Is it fair to say that BYU and quarterback U are back? <laughs> I think so. I mean, you know, you look at uh, Zach and, and now Jaron at Minnesota, um, you know, they've got it kind of worked out where, and with the transfer portal helps, um, you know, with, with having another guy senior ready to go uh, this year. So, um, you know, only time will tell, but um, I don't, I don't really think it's ever left. You know, you look at the guys that have, have been playing, um, have been great quarterbacks and, and solid players. I mean, Taysom's doing big things in New Orleans, uh, maybe not at the QB position all the time, but um, he's definitely an NFL talent. So, um, you know, I, I think BYU has always been known as QBU and, and probably will always be just because of the tradition there. I know that the original photo of the quarterback factory ended with Lavelle and the hard hat and the assembly line at Young, but could we get Robbie Bosco and then you and then Sark and so on up to uh, Jaron Hall? Could we recreate that at some point? Would you be willing? I don't know if uh, Sark would get out of the UT gear. So, you know, <laughs> we'll have to see how that game goes this year and uh, if he's in good spirits or not. But hopefully he's not. Uh, we'll keep him in, in burn orange. So, um, But that'd be fun to, to create part two, you know, and have some of the other guys. And you'd really need probably part two and part three. You really? Know, yeah. Been you... Enough guys with, with uh, John Beck and Max and, and now the, the current crew. So. Doman and company, all those guys. Did want to ask you about this. Uh, Jim Nagy, the senior bowl director, um, he mentioned that guys in the NFL have to win. It's, it's genetics. It's as simple as that. And we talked about genetics versus development. Certainly coming out of high school and even college genetically, I'm not sure that you checked that box, but there were all these attributes that you developed, right, and created, and it was more than just, like, what's your height and weight. What is that role to you in 2023 of, like, getting guys into the NFL because BYU is doing a better job of it, yet you had a 14-year NFL career at originally six foot 175. <laughs> yeah, I, I still think there's some genetics just in other areas I had. You know, um, my dad was 
three port, uh, three sport athlete, uh, played three sports in junior college and uh, went to Florida State, actually played baseball and basketball and uh, and ended up playing some receiver there, too. So, um, you know, there was there was that competitive spirit that that I had uh, genetically and, and work <laughs> ethic and yep. and all those things that you get from your parents. But. Um, yeah, I didn't have the physical um, genetics that some of these guys have, but uh, I feel like I made up for it in other areas. Some of the intangibles you can't measure, and and that's kind of the the kicker that um, you know scouts or, or recruiters can't always uh, put a finger on is who has that and and what guys are going to be that way. And so some turn out to, to have it, and some um, maybe don't. And then. You're also, uh, you know, kind of bound to the the guys that are around you. You know, you look at a David Carr, a Tim Couch, some of these guys are um, that came out and were first round picks that had to play for expansion teams and and didn't have a lot around them. They didn't last very long. They were beat up, and hurt, and and uh, you know, it, it's just kind of a, the luck of the draw sometimes for that as well. So uh, there's a lot of factors into going uh, for a quarterback to be successful and and uh, but ultimately, you know. Uh, you do have to have the intangibles and the drive and the competitive spirit is probably the most important factors that people can't really measure. Great stuff from Ty Detmer. Let's finish with this. Are you worried at all about the performance of your offensive coordinator, Max Hollis? He scoots around with his own injury. You know, he, uh, I, I think he self-diagnosed himself out of the boot. I saw him yesterday out of the boot. I'm like, you sure be out of that thing? You know, don't tear that thing again. So, uh, but he's uh, he had some hip problems from trying to get around in the boot. So one problem created another, and and uh, I think he's on the mend. I just got to keep him calm while he's out of the boot here for another couple months to really make sure it's healed. So uh, fortunately, we've got you know mainly just summer workouts, and the games won't get started till the end of August, and hopefully by then he's full go because he can't get animated in a game a little bit. <laughs> Good luck <laughs> keeping Max Hall calm. <laughs> Yeah, that's my number one job here. Keep Max calm. Ty, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Great to have you back on the show. We're so thrilled for your success at Queen Creek ALA. We're sending you karma to do your summer stuff. And and, this is the only acceptable red on you ever. It's true. Because it's the the ALA colors. Yeah, I know. It's not Utah red. It's it's definitely ALA. It's different. (laughs) Ty, thanks for the time, man. We'll see you again soon. All right. Appreciate it. A Heisman Trophy winner, Ty Detmer, who we believe quarterbacked the greatest win in BYU football history against oh, Miami. Over under 13 and a half rushing touchdowns for Ty in his career. I'm going to say just under. 16. We had 16! But 16 it, but rushing was, touchdowns. But he was sacked for 1,000 negative yards. It doesn't matter. When you throw for 15,000 <laughs> yards. But when you throw for 15K, it's going to be okay. Holy cow. 1981's men's basketball team was unbelievable. Friday, we've got a reviewable show where we look at the Elite Eight run. This is the best basketball team in BYU history. Check it out Friday noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU. Radio. We were just talking about the greatest win in BYU football history. Well, it's time to roll out today's matchup in the BYU football best wins bracket and see who won yesterday's matchup. Who's moving on? Who's done? The bracket fun is up next on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the uh, the day, the lunar day of 24 hours. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. 
Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out today's headlines, shall we? Bill Steele releases all Big 12 teams. Eight Cougars listed. First team, Aiden Robbins. Second team, Ryan Rico. Third teamer, Ben Bywater. And on the fourth team, Isaac Rex, Kingsley Suamatia, Max Tooley, Eddie Heckard, and Hobbs Nyberg. Texas led the Big 12 with 17 selections, many of which will be overrated this year. Yoi was tied for six. <laughs> Kingsley, a fourth teamer, Phil? Come on! Philip. On to some basketball news. Zach Selyus named the Basketball Bundesliga Pro-A Player of the Year. Racken Sie Deutsch. He averaged almost 17 points a game, 16.9 for being technical, 2.2 assists in 43 contests. He's playing for Würzburg Baskets, yeah. a new team in Germany next season. It took uh, you know, three quarters of a year of Germany. Du hast mich. Du hast mich. Thanks, Rammstein. <laughs> Those are today's headlines. Now it's time to get to the best wins in BYU football history bracket. Yes, we are counting on you across BYU Sports Nation to chime in via the Twitter machine specifically and vote to help us determine what is the number one overall greatest win for BYU football. We'll give you a matchup of the day. We will recap yesterday's matchup and then get into today's showdown as well. Let's start with today's matchup, Jerem. Are we, oh, no, wait, wait, no, let's sorry. recap yesterday. Yesterday's matchup. 84 Michigan, the two seed against 15 seed, 94 Notre Dame. Who's moving on? It is, of course, 84 Michigan. All right. Second round. Not a shocker that the win that clinched BYU a national championship. What was the percentage on this one? Is advancing in the bracket. 93% of the vote. Should have been 98. 93% of that vote. Nice. Wow. Okay. Now for our matchup of the day. We are ready for action. of the college football season. This is a fantastic. This is a good one. And very difficult to decide matchup in the 7-10 game. I like one more than the other. Oh my goodness. 2009 Oklahoma is the seventh seed. Number 20 BYU season opener against number three Oklahoma. Reigning Heisman Trophy winner Sam Bradford, a quarterback as they lost the national championship the year before. Max Hall and the boys. Oh, Andrew George for the touchdown. Little play action at the goal line. BYU takes the lead. Colby Clausen hits Sam Bradford, separates his AC joint. He is out. Landry Jones comes in as one of the best careers in college football in terms of passing. But this is the game winner where McKay Jacobson earlier in the summer had called Max and said, I'm open in the end zone. In this very spot where he catches the game winner, Oklahoma missed a field goal that would have won it. And BYU upsets number three Oklahoma, vaults up to number nine after this and finishes that season 11 and two. Special, special win as the seventh seed. As the number 10 seed in 2013, the Manny Diaz game. Mm -hmm. BYU Taysom Hill game. runs for 550 <laughs> yards as a team. Taysom Hill for 259 all by his lonesome. And the Cougars steamroll Number 15, Texas, 40 to 21. It was 40 to 14. Texas scored a late garbage touchdown. I mean, this thing was not close from about 
Early in the third quarter on, when Taysom Hill scores there and makes it a 20-point lead, three touchdowns for Hill, dominant victory, and yes, BYU got Texas's defensive coordinator Manny Diaz fired the next day because they embarrassed the Longhorns so much Don't on forget the ground. The, the hurricane-like weather we had pregame. Oh, that was no. a three-hour pregame yes. show. We stayed on the air. A couple of ruined suits for Alema and Brian. And the company. hand of Voldemort entered Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Yeah, it was crazy. To and the then, demise of the Longhorns. And then the hand of Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams showed up as well. <laughs> yeah. Tallacic had yeah. 87 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, uh, uh, we oft, oft overlooked this. Jamal Williams ran for 182 yards. Yeah, he was awesome in this game. <laughs> but it, it was it was about the weather, it was about Taysom, it was, it was crazy. Man. This is the Red River rivalry. I think Oklahoma should win this match. That would be my vote. That was such a huge. I wouldn't game. be surprised if Texas, if Texas does beat Oklahoma here because it, again, it was such a memorable record-setting game. For that BYU. Oklahoma game was so cool at the intersection of University Avenue and 800 North. Everyone, like 500 students, would just like gather in the middle during red lights one way and then get out of the way. And then just, it was crazy. Both of these teams, Oklahoma and Texas, finished those respective seasons eight and five. Yep. That's how it goes. You get a big win, that team ends up like eight and five. All right. <laughs> up next, we have not one, but two national champions in Studio B. Kenneth Rooks, steeplechase yeah. winner. Look at that. And his coach, Ed Stone, hanging out in the Cougar Council Room. Just Austin champs right there. Yes, they That's are. That's what they've done. Speaking of Texas, this is BYU Sports Nation. Don't go anywhere. Lots of wins at Texas. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Images from a national championship run and moment in Austin, Texas. Kenneth Rooks celebrating with his team. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B. And uh, what's better than seeing the pictures from the event? How about just hosting said national champion in Studio B right now? Kenneth Rooks is with us as head coach. Yeah. Ed also a multiple time national champion. Congratulations. Can I hold it? On everything. Can I hold it? The trophy. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, hold it. Oh, that's nice. That's Don't good. break it. Yeah, let's yeah. leave it there. Let's leave yeah. it there. Kenneth, this is a relatively quick trip back here to Studio B. We didn't. We were talking to you not that long ago, and, and now you're back as a national champion. Uh, how are things right now? How, how are you processing all of this? Um, I mean, I'm super excited. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm super stoked I was, I was able to uh, be able to get, to get the win. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm still taking it in, still processing, uh, but it's it's pretty exciting, and, and it's awesome because uh, Coach Eystone has also been able to um, have that opportunity, and it's kind of cool just being there in Austin, <laughs> where he also was able to win. Yeah, 
Kenneth is obviously a, a low-key guy, coach. Yeah. We know yeah. this. He just goes about his business. Wins the yeah. national championship. Not like a big deal. Whatever. He had to be back so in class good. on Monday for his engineering yeah. class. We, we wanted to have you on the show. He's like, yeah. I got class. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Other things to do. Yeah. What was it like for you emotionally watching him compete in the steeplechase and then when you're seeing him come down the home stretch and you're like, he's going to be the national champion. What's that like for you? Well, it's nerve-wracking for the coach, especially when the coach realizes that he has the opportunity and really he should win the race. Uh, Duncan Hamilton uh, had finished second uh, last year at NCAAs and had actually bested his uh, American collegiate record uh, a few weeks back at the regional meet and so uh, we knew it was going to be a battle of the of the two superstars up front and uh, Duncan started pushing the pace with about four laps to go which is what we kind of had guessed would happen. Uh, Kenneth was able to cover each move though so that calmed me a little bit but then at the at the end you never really know and and Kenneth made a move with about 600 meters to go and I went ooh this is a little bit early because uh, <laughs> When the when the hunted when the hunter when the hunter turns into the hunted and and Duncan Hamilton actually responded really quite yeah. well then I was a little bit nervous but I I had confidence in his ability to finish strong he's finished strong in every race he hasn't been in any collegiate race there hasn't been anyone within six to nine seconds of him in all of his victories so I felt like he knew what he was doing he can kind of give us a probably his insight from his his status it though. was six seconds uh, yeah. exactly so yeah, was, seconds. were you more confident than Ed when you pulled away? <laughs> Um, well, uh, I probably was a little more confident than, than Ed when I made that move, but I also recognized when I made that move into the lead that uh, I had to maintain that lead all the way to the end. And so I, I was really trying to be aware of my surroundings, aware of where Duncan was at. So I was kind of checking behind my shoulder a lot uh, or just seeing the shadows on the side, seeing where he was at. Um, but uh, when we, with 200 to go, and I realized I started to pull away a little bit, that's when I knew I was, I was safe as long as I stayed on my feet. Yeah. So. Which can be nerve-wracking. Yeah, which can be a little nerve-wracking. Yeah, because, right? yeah, you just got to get over the last barrier, last, last, last water jump, and then we're good. So. Was that the moment where you're like, I just won, I got it? Yeah, when I got over the last barrier, that's, that's, when, that's the moment where I was like, okay, I just won. So, what do you have yeah. left in the tank at that point? What do I have left? In you, the tank? Do you have a second win when you're like, I'm gonna win? Like, uh, does, does it energize <laughs> you, or are you just are you hanging on? I, I think it energizes. Uh, I think it energizes uh, me because I mean, you get excited that you're gonna win, and uh, so yeah, just have that little burst of uh, positive energy at the end. Although it, you're hurting at the end, I was I was hurting at the end, but. <laughs> You don't look like you're hurting though. Like you're a smooth customer, like you were saying that. Like, yeah. you, it, uh, when you cross the finish line, um, when does it kind of set in what you did? And hey, you won, and you won convincingly. And I, I love, uh, you know, John Anderson's right there. I was there Friday night. Mm -hmm. I, I'm actually watching this, by the way, on a plane about to land in Austin. And then I hurry over to the track and watch Casey's um, race, as I mentioned. But uh, couldn't find you guys after. Otherwise, I would have parted. But um, what, what's it like in that moment to do an interview where you're huffing and puffing after that? Because it's always funny. It's like, hey, you just ran. What's up? And you're like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was huffing and puffing just a little bit. But I actually was able to get a little bit of a break because 
I, I was able to go uh, give Coach a hug and give my parents a hug and stuff like that. So actually, no, my parents weren't there until after <laughs> a little bit later, but my teammates a hug, my, my coach and my teammates. So I... I was still kind of huffing and puffing, but I actually had a little, little bit of time to <laughs> catch my bit. breath a little bit. Um, he, he recovered quickly. He, yeah. He's in great shape right now, and, uh, and it truly was inspiring the way that he was able to pull that off. Because when, once he took that, you know, when you take a lead that far out, you need to take it with authority. You need to try to discourage the guy that's running behind you. Yeah. And even though, it, you know, Duncan mustered some, some energy to stay with him for another 300 meters or so. Yeah. Uh, um, Kenneth is such a good hurdler that at each hurdle over that last little bit, he was picking up a half a stride, and then Duncan would have to put his head back down, and then another hurdle, and then he would uh, expand that lead. And uh, the last water jump, uh, Kenneth was really flawless. Mm. Uh, Hamilton stumbled a little bit. And then uh, I think what he needs to work on a little bit is uh, uh, just thinking about, am I going to put my hands up with authority as I cross the line? Yeah, yeah. Is it the, I'm yeah. number one sort of thing? <laughs> Kenneth is too humble to do that. So I think he put his hands up at the end, but it was kind of like, I'm really too humble to this, but I think uh, you're supposed to It was do like it. halfway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, half saying, yeah. yay. But, and, you, and you had so many national championships, you got to think about what you were doing on the next yeah. one. Yeah. I actually did rehearse a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> did you pull off the triple crown? What is it, fall 84 and then into 85? Was that it? Yeah, the track cross, 85? Cross country and then the and, 5 and, and then, 10. Yeah. yeah, and one of those is in Austin. Or was yeah, it the, the two? The, the five and the ten were in the Austin. The five and the five, ten in Austin. Yeah. What was it like to do it in the same place? Was it the same track, Mike Myers uh, Stadium? There? No, I think back in the day, the track was located in the football stadium. And quite frankly, that was 37 years ago, 38 years ago. So In DKR. Brought, yeah, yeah. People uh, mentioned that, uh, you know, what's it like? And it was like, oh, you're right. It was here in Austin. It was so long ago. I hadn't really even entered my mind until people, <laughs> after the fact, mentioned yeah. it. But it is cool because I, I do remember the heat and the humidity mm -hmm. that I had to battle through uh, on those two races. And it gave me an even greater appreciation for what he was able to pull off. Look at that picture. Yeah, look at, look that. at those beautiful there's images there's of you yeah. from a mere 37 years <laughs> a ago. Few years back. And the humidity was legit. Um, yeah. it, was it easier to run in that? Did the muscles kind of loosen in a different way there? Or was um, it harder? You're sweating more? Uh, the humidity just causes your body to warm up a little bit easier. So the, the warm-up we did a little bit shorter uh, because we, were, we just get warmed up a little faster. But as far as like being out in the race, the longer the race, the more the humidity affects, uh, affects you. And so like the 5K and the 10K are especially hard in the humidity. The steeplechase, I feel like it affects uh, it affects a little bit uh, as well, um, but I felt prepared. Um, I feel like we did we did a lot of work in the sauna, getting ready, uh, <laughs> just ready for Austin. I think that helped, and I also was there in 2019 um, as well, and so I had kind of that experience racing in the humidity before, uh, even though it was uh, four years ago, uh, and. Uh, so I think that all helped. I, I I just felt a lot better this time. And we also had like lots of ice vests and ice balloons and things to keep me cool. Kenneth Rooks, you're race, a national so. champion. Uh, correct us if we're wrong, but you told us that you, typically your go-to meal 
is a Denny's Grand <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> did you do that in Austin? <laughs> so actually, I did not. But uh, it's because our hotel had 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 breakfast this time. Okay. So I got breakfast. I went to hotel. Denny's and waited. You got, for you, 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 did you, <laughs> just that would have been funny. That would have been funny. What yeah. did you eat after to celebrate? After to celebrate, there was a nice uh, pizzeria. I went to Rapolo's Pizzeria afterward. Uh, I actually went there the day before, but I didn't get pizza the day before because I was just trying to eat something a little bit uh, better, better pre-race. And so I was just, I was looking forward to that pizza after the race. Yeah. Did, did anybody in your engineering class have any clue you were the national champion? Did anybody um, say, my hey, professor, dude. my professor did. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. Did, okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> That's awesome, well. man. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> if we ever win anything on this show, we'll be like, we did it. Oh, yeah. We can. You're incredibly humble. Congratulations, We're so thrilled man. for you. Congratulations so on uh, you the much. national championship. And by the way, a top 10 finish by the men's team. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah you Big know deal. It was a great performance overall by all of our event categories. I think we took, um, we took about 16, we had 17 entries. We came home with nine first team All-Americans. Amazing. So really good performances. Yep. Our, our people. And, and there was only one Big 12 uh, team that beat us on the men's side, uh, yeah. Texas Tech. Texas. Hey, you've got a legit case for program of the year overall with cross country and track and field. We'll see. Yeah, Let's they see. will be announcing that later today. Let's go. Okay. Let's, see what Let's happens, go. Man. We'll give you we'll give you a firm number one to get that nod. Okay. Yeah, and if you win it, we'll go, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks you guys. Congratulations. Appreciate Thank it very much. All right. Up next, uh, we wrap the show up with your rise and shout out. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. It's time to whip it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Men's Hoops has some new rules this season. Block charge uh, called differently. Jersey numbers, mm -hmm. bench keep, uh, peacekeepers. What do you think of these new rules? I'm just hoping that I get to be a bench peacekeeper at some point as a sideline reporter. Do, yeah. I, do I qualify as that, or would I be in, in I don't violation? I think you should wander out there. I think you should get out of the way. Um, no, I yeah. like it. I like the block charge has been more spe more specified. Yes, and it's, you've got to make that call earlier. I love the jersey numbers. There's uh, goaltending's reviewable now, which is great. Yeah. Also, final two minutes, you can kind of challenge there, and, and if it's not overturned, it's a timeout to you. I, I like this. Number 83, Ali Khalifa. He's going to wear 50, by the <laughs> 50, way. 50, okay. Yep. There you go. All right, our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated, answering which BYU football player deserves more preseason accolades. C.D. Shaw on Twitter says Kingsley is first. Question is, who should be second? Slovis, Cravens, Pay, Robbins, Epps, Rex? Cravens brought up there. There you go. They're all in the mix. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union to BYU Athletics. Kyle Collinsworth on the birth of his baby girl. Congrats. It's awesome. Awesome. Our thanks to today's guests, Ty Detmer, Ed Eyestone, and Kenneth Rooks. Sorry to Dennis. For Jeremiah I'm Spencer. Shout out to Clarence Robison. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs.